It's like, hey, so I hear you're the Suicide Bombers. Not going to lie, it's a cool name. You guys are cool, but that just let you know I had the name first, but let's party. It was his birthday, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He got, re- he was he got, like they, got a really shit face. They, 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 they carried him out. out of the show as we're playing. <laughs> oh, my word. That's awesome. That's, awesome. Just, yeah. that's great. Yeah. I love I think it. We know give it up for <laughs> Two bands called Suicide on a Bill is very unlikely. Yeah. 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 You're yeah. just like, what are the odds of that? Welcome, welcome to 561 Music. My name's Ben, and we are without Hector today, which is a little bit of a shame. It's always a shame when Hector can't make it, but he will be back next week. Um, I think he's on a cruise. I think that's what he's doing. Not 100% sure, but I think that's it. Yeah, so this weekend, Kilbillies played at the Irish Brigade, which is a pretty cool spot. It's um, in Lake Worth, and it has just come on so far since we used to play there back in the day. It's um, it's really nice in there now. It's like a really awesome bar, and uh, now we're going to be there like once a month, which I'm super happy about because we didn't have a Lake Worth spot for the longest time. So that's really awesome. We've got a Kilbillies home in Lake Worth, and then we played Paddy Max, which is, of course, one of the haunts that we are We've been playing there for 12 years, maybe. Playing there for a long time. So that was really fun, too. It was a busy one. Every now and again, you know, it isn't just through no fault of anyone's. And um, and that was the, the previous time we played there had been a bit like that. But this time it was awesome, super busy. All of the gang came, all of our friends came, and it was loads of fun. So this week we have Suicide Bombers with us. How's it going, guys? Great. Hey. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. Oh, We're doing pretty good. Yeah, we got... Sean, Noah, and Jojo. So nice one for coming on. The reason that you guys came on is because when we played the December 23rd show um, with uh, Billy Doom is Dead and, and I was playing with No Name Scar Band and also Butch and the Fat Dubes, I was just blown away by you guys. I just thought you were incredible. Thank you. And, um, you know, I didn't, uh, I'd seen little bits and bobs over the years, but I'd never, I hadn't like actually watched like a large portion of the show for a really long time. And um, both me and my friend Keith and all of our friends were just like, oh shit, these guys are really good. <laughs> so um, that is now going to change and I'm going to try and come out and see you as often as I can. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. We aim the police. I also want to say, contrary to what the name may state, uh, Billy Doom is not dead. I learned that for a fact. And he's alive. Thank God he's alive. He's doing fine for anyone who's out there who's concerned. Billy Doom. It's not dead. It's not dead. It's not, okay, thank and they you. Were, yes, thank God. they're awesome. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, um, uh, does that mean you are also not real suicide bombers? Uh, well, no, we're not. Actually. <laughs> I mean, I've had friends who've worked in the sewage and water reclaim industry, so I have like some kind of relevance to that. Okay, where did the name come from? Oh, oh where, where is that wonderful name? Oh, okay, so this <laughs> story from? is actually very long, a bit bland. <laughs> well, you're in the it. right place for a, a long. Story. Let's do it. <laughs> so I was trying to get a band started for quite some time. I think long before I met you. And uh, there's a band that I'm a fan of. Uh, they're from Baltimore, a punk band called The Ravagers. Right. And one of my old bandmates, he took up a hobby to just rent a van, or he had his own van. And he would drive all these bands around the U.S. So he drove The Ravagers around. He drove bands like The Biters around. He was their their so like an Uber driver. Yeah, like a like a punk rock Uber driver. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So I got exposed to through him to listen to this band, The Ravagers, and I was listening to their album one day and just driving home from work. This is like 20 
16, 2017. And they have a song on there called Suicide Bomber, like an actual suicide yeah, bomber. Yeah, okay. And the way that the guy would sing the song with his, uh, Alex, with his voice, he's, it would sound like he was saying, I'm a suicide, I'm a suicide bomber. And I'm driving, I'm like, okay. yeah, that sounds like he's saying suicide bomber. That would be a great band name. And there then it just, go. it hit. And I by the next red light, I'm on the phone giving it the, the internet check. I'm yeah. Like, check YouTube. Mm -hmm. Instagram, Facebook, does anyone have that name? No, great. I, I created a, a page right then and there. Didn't even have a band yet. That's so awesome. And I'm like, I'll make this work. I feel like every musician at least once a day says, that'd be a great band name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or song name. We, we did that a lot. Yeah, totally. It's because um, you got to grab them, you know, as soon as you think of them. It's, di it's more difficult than one would think to find names that aren't already being used. Yeah. You know yeah. I mean? And, you know, that that's coming from someone in a band called Killbillies. Of course, there's more than one killer. Yeah, these. Yeah, so, a lot of psychobilly bands like that. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, I've been burned by that one in the past. But uh, yeah, man, it, it's a, it's a definitely a name that you don't forget. That's for sure. Yeah, you know? and it's funny. Like at one of our shows we did at Prop, uh, might have been the one that we played with you guys. You know, we'll sit outside and talk and have a drink, and then like, well, a couple of times we heard someone coming up and saying, "Oh, I want to see that that sewer band." Them, them sewer boys. The yeah. boys are in the sewer. And we're hearing this. Like, sewer boys. Like, Which is great. <laughs> like, I love that. These are much better names. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Should have been the sewer boys. <laughs> Less confusion, too, from, from people. The sewer boys. That's really funny. So we're going to get back to how you guys originally got into music and what your upbringing was like when it comes to, like, were your parents supportive, things like that. And let's start with you, Sean. Like, how, how did you find yourself getting into music? So I was lucky to have my father. He's He's been a musician. He's got a huge taste and love for music. A lot of classic blues and country and rock and roll. You know, he collected ACDC, Rolling Stones albums growing up as a kid. And he's a huge country bluegrass enthusiast. Right. He, was, he was classically taught on guitar when he was about 11. Right. So I grew up listening to him play. He never uses a pick. He's always finger picking, strumming, sure. and maybe a capo and a slide. So I would grow up. You know, every time you come home from work, I would hear the guitar playing at night or in the weekends. And uh, I think one time I would hear what he would play. And one time I went to go grab his guitar. I didn't know what he was playing. I even considered the tuning was a song. Okay, so yeah, I didn't yeah. know how to touch or anything <laughs> on there. So I would hit the strings and try to play along to what he did, which was simply just E, E, A, A, D. Yeah, you know, sure. That. Well, that's a great way to sort of like start burning those tones into your yeah. head. You know, it's fantastic. And then uh, at one point, my mom walked in to his study office room. And she's like, oh, I thought that was your dad in here. I thought he got home early. So it's, I was like, I don't know if she realized the confidence she instilled in me. Like, yeah. you're telling me that I sound as good as my father at yeah. like six years old. And then from there, uh, just got into like, I honestly got into punk rock through skateboarding, but right. the music of punk, I don't know if anyone's on the podcast has given any credit yet to this, but I got to give a whole bunch of credit to Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Oh yeah, 100%. <laughs> that's, that's, that's come 100%. up many times and, and in a good way because um, it really did have a huge effect on everyone. Yeah, you know? yeah for sure. It's good exposure to Good exposure, you know, it's what got me turned on to like Bad Religion, Stiff Little Fingers, Social yeah. Distortion. My friend's band, Brandon Hand, got on um, the newer one of the newer ones and they're just so stoked they just can't believe that's awesome it. That, that's still an accomplishment man that's yeah still an accomplishment yeah for sure and then uh, from there i just wanted to pick up the guitar because i wanted to play because i felt like a cool personality trait to have you know get yeah. some girlfriends or something well mm. you know i think if if people say that 
one of the reasons they got into music wasn't for girls, then uh, <laughs> they, they're either a heterosexual lying. girl yeah. or uh, completely lying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's in there. And then <laughs> sure. when I had a guitar, then I asked my dad, like, hey, can you teach me how to play this? So he was really excited about that. And because um, I had an older brother who he tried to teach guitar to, and then my brother decided he wanted to do bass guitar instead. And he decided, I don't want to do music entirely at all. I just want to go and be an actor. So now he went the acting career. Gotcha. And then as soon as I got into punk, I learned that, oh, I don't have to learn these scales that my dad teaches me. I can just do three chords. <laughs> yeah. and, be, and I did that for the longest time. And then by the time I was like 22, I was like, well, my band's ended and I need something better to play that's a bit more intricate. Hey, dad, you remember when you were trying to teach me how to play guitar? You might be just pick up where we left off in that oh, i love it it's in the family yeah yeah it's, i have an uncle who was a big inspiration on me and um he used to come around our house with like bagpipes and cool stuff like oh, that wow. oh, shit. and so um then my my mom is just very musical as well it's that um this uncle is her brother and she uh yeah she was a big influence on me too she i feel like played in a band or anything like that but but you know she played piano like when i was growing up and yeah you just see them do it and you you know you want to copy them I think there's a you know there's a lot of people who get into music who have musicians in their family because probably you know it's the most direct and influential way you could you could get into it. I think right, yeah, that's really awesome. Though, did you did you ever sort of do that? A lot of people go that route where through like they find themselves when they're young being in church and singing singing in the choirs and everything like that. Did you do all that? I did choir for school. Yeah, and um. I was always either uh, a, I usually ended up in the soprano side of the, if I recall, there was alto and soprano. At least that's what my school classes had. Always ended up in soprano. And towards the later years of my elementary school, I wouldn't sing as loud because I didn't want to be there. Sure. I was, I was just getting bored of it by that point. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm more guitar playing first than a singer. I would say that. Well, yeah, right. I know that I learned harmony through, through singing in choirs. You know, mm -hmm. yeah. it was, it, it's just a great way to understand what voices sound like together. And it's when I talk to people, when I teach people about harmony, it, one of the things I say is like, it's not, it's not about singing melodies that interact with each other. It's about like here, you, it's all about knowing what the harmony sounds like and, and trying to find that vibration, you know, with yeah, the other person. Yeah. Being in sync and synchronization and all that, you know, let the guitar do the, all the, the frontman work. Do the, let the voice and the singing meld into like a nice wall of a pleasant sound or unpleasant sound, depending on what you're trying to go for. Yeah, yeah <laughs> totally. So, um, yeah, Noah, how did you find yourself getting into music, man? Uh, I don't know. The music was always in the family. Uh, not musicians, but just music in, in, in general. Um, the first movie that I ever saw was uh, La Bamba. Oh, there you uh, go. Yeah. Classic. And even though I, even though I can't sing, uh, my dad says that I could, I would sing uh, Roy Orbison. Oh, really? Uh, before I would actually <laughs> like talk. Wow, uh, I love at a really, that. really young age. Um, and at some point, yeah, well, that all came from the parents. Uh, but at some point, uh, they, mom and dad tried to get me into violin. I learned uh, Mississippi hot dog, right. Mississippi <laughs> hot dog. And that, that didn't last because I got bored. Uh, they tried to get me into piano. Uh, I got bored. And then um, when I was 12-ish, I was driving with my father and he played a song by The Cream. Yeah. Um, but it was actually, well, so it wasn't like The Cream version, but it was Jack Bruce, uh, Gary Moore, and Ginger Baker. 
uh, doing a, a song called NSU. And my father and his intensity and his passion said, if you're ever going to play a song, you have to play this song. And if you're ever going to play this song, you have to play the drums. <laughs> and I said, okay. Awesome. Um, and then uh, when I turned 13-ish, I uh, got a drum set and never took a lesson. Later on in life, I, I, I had to take lessons. Um, that's a different story. But um, uh was self-taught and punk came a lot later for me because I was, mom and dad were all into a lot, a lot of blues uh, in the house, a lot of folk. I can um, relate to punk coming a little bit later. Mm -hmm. the, before I got really into, I mean, I was into punk in like the very early 90s when I was like 12, 13, but only in the way that I was into everything. Like, you know, I was yeah. just as into like Wu-Tang Clan and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And then, um, then I, I got into like dance music and like psychedelic trance and all this kind of stuff in my late teens. But then I came back to punk in my early 20s, like in a big way, you know, that's mm -hmm. where it really hit for me. I'm like the only person who, it's like I went backwards. Mm -hmm. It's like, because everyone gets into like Aphex Twin and all that kind of thing, you know, and considers their music taste to be very like, you know, ex oh, you know, I, I like Aphex. I like Richard D. James, and that, that kind of thing. Mm. But I feel like I liked that earlier and then I, and then slowly, punk started to take over as a goal of which is kind of reverse <laughs> yeah i mean i yeah i like the punk stuff on the radio and it wasn't until like later in high school like gotten to see actual punk rockers and getting exposed to them through skateboarding they look so cool it looks like we're all the kids are having a lot more fun so i'll get more into that yeah and then kind of drift out of it and then by the 20s i think when you want to try to you can play more places and get all right there's more to be found here in punk rock yeah totally then man. expand from there it's totally opposite for me because I did, uh, it was, yeah, I was blues, like, yeah. and then I got into, uh, after blues, I got into metal, I got into thrash. Right. And thrash was so much fun, and listening to thrash was so much fun. Yeah. Um, and because I like blues and, and thrash stuff, then, you know, you, you go from the heavier stuff, then you go to Black Sabbath, and then uh, a couple of friends showed me Reagan Youth, and that's when I started with punk. Because from oh, Reagan cool. Youth was like, oh, they're doing that Black Sabbath riffing stuff, that's really cool, what else is there? And then there's like, oh, there's this band, Black Flag. And yeah. I was like a later teenager, so I was like, oh, angsty stuff, yay. And I can brute with Henry Rollins on this stuff. And but like they're both much, much more in a punk than I am. Gotcha, um, gotcha. I get a lot of it from them that I listen to. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, like, hey, here's a rancid song, and I've never heard it. Here. Yeah, but you <laughs> know what? Even the fact that you yeah. know who Reagan Youth are says you know quite a lot about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, is that yeah, so I know like the uh, sort of like the older uh, stuff and but thrash I loved and you know, suicidal tendencies is a big uh, drumming and 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 uh, music composing influence on me. Yeah, sick man. So. I just recorded a um, suicidal tendencies tune with um, the old band I used to be in on saxophone, and we're having a lot of fun. They've done this crazy like version of it. But, oh, yeah, shit. I'm really looking forward to what, this uh, what coming song out. Um, I can't remember what it's called at the top of my head. I knew I was going to have to answer that question. <laughs> <when> I, <but laughs> no, I'll, no, I'll, I'll let you know you. in the second half. I'll let <laughs> <Yeah>. you know. <laughs> so, Jojo, how did you get into music, man? I mean, my dad was a drummer, so he passed when I was like five. So I just always grew up kind of like wanting to follow his footsteps and just because I felt like even as a young kid, I would understand him more by playing the drums. Definitely. He was definitely a way better drummer than I would ever be. But uh, when I was like 11, I joined my first punk band. We were called the Lucky Fucks in New York. Because <laughs> cool that was the whole goal was just like not make it. And the Lucky like, Fucks is a great name. Oh, yeah. We, <laughs> right, we were right trying to down. destroy shit. We were only into like early 80s hardcore and stuff yeah. like that. Like Black Flag, Circle Jerks at a very young age. But due to Tony Hawk, due to like SLC Punk growing up watching yeah. that movie. like oh, yeah. So 
I was doing that. And then I moved down here. So I didn't play music for like maybe four years when I moved down here, maybe in my mid twenties Yeah, and uh, started playing again. I haven't touched drums in like a few years, but then I was like immediately back into it with his band Vagrant Stomp. Um, and then the Vagrant Stomp. Vagrant Stomp. Stomp. Yeah. Also cool. And then You're doing well with like good names for bands. Right I now. never thought of them. I swear. <laughs> Lucky Fox. I did when I was like a kid, I was like the Lucky Fox. Let's fucking do it. But yeah. then everything else is all the other people I joined, but sure. then just like filling in here and there playing Europe sometimes on drums and stuff. But oh, I nice. really got into bass at a young age because of like rancid and the adolescence and even queen like John yeah. Deacon. Mm. He's one of my favorite mm. bassists ever. So. so did you do the, the, the big like circuit in Europe of like all of the kind of squats and like punk, like the, that kind of thing with punk shows, or were you playing? Oh like- no, I wish I was just doing like a festival here and there, like gotcha. Rebellion Fest, right? Rebellion Fest, yeah, yeah man. I we- played Rebellion Fest like a bunch of times. I love, I love that festival. I think that leaves you out of this. I've heard about it. I hear about all these things, and I'm like, oh yeah, there's that, that thing. You guys will get to Rebellion Fest. I'm sure of it, man. Yeah, yeah. I would love to. Yeah, Rebellion Festival rules. Played Ireland, Ireland, all my peeps in Ireland. I love you. Yeah, Northern dude. Ireland. What's up, <laughs> Belfast? Hey. Stiff little fingers. That's awesome. Yeah, I guess that's all I got in that regard. So, um, the next question is like, how busy are you guys in terms of shows and things like that? Like, how often do you play? Um, Well, we fluctuated a bit. I mean, we were playing when we first started out, we were playing like almost a lot, almost every other week. Just Mm. first of all, just to get the name out there, let people know that, hey, we exist in the band. Grinding a teeth, you know, getting new spots. I don't even know who we are. So we come back to them more. And then we just kept getting asked to play it over and over again. I think we really established our foothold in Miami when Las Rosas was around. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that venue. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, and then, you know, COVID hit and then everything kind of died down for a bit. Yeah. Then we took our time getting back together once we got uh, Jojo into the band. And I'd say that within the last couple of months, we took a break for recording and now we kind of just came out of the gate hot. Like we, we promised ourselves we wouldn't do that again. Don't want to get burnt out. But then, you know, it's tempting to it's always so say yes to say, yeah, to a yeah. show. Yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah. when you get asked. Like yeah. it is, it is cool when you get asked. It's so yeah. much because you know. I still do it every now and then. I'll book a show and I'll ask people to be on it. And I've been doing it for so long that, okay, well, I know if I do that, I have to make sure there's sound equipment set up. There's, you take on the role of a promoter. I, you know, respect the promoters, but I don't like being one. It's a lot of work. <laughs> I do it sometimes. I, I'll i I'll do it just because I want these things to happen, but I yeah. can't say I enjoy promoting them. I much. mean, the, the, the one thing that I do enjoy about it is, you know, because it feeds into this side hobby or side project I do for graphic design is yeah. I always felt for a long time, like, I love a good flyer. Yeah. And I was inspired to really start drawing flyers when I saw American Hardcore. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Back in like 2007, 2008. Mm-hmm. And there was like some soundtrack. commentary that, that a lot of these flyers kids do nowadays. It looks like it's on Microsoft Paint or whatever. And I remember being in high school and seeing shows that looked like it was literally on Microsoft Paint. Like, why can't we do something better? Yeah. So I started drawing shit that would look like from the 80s. And then I just started making flyers myself. I got my own style down. Wicked. And that's the reason I wanted to put the show together so I could draw a bitch in design and yeah, dude. promote that out there. I feel that. That's really the only part of all that that I enjoy is doing yeah. the art. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really fun. Like, um, it's, I don't really have so much going on in my life that um, the only time I, I ever really get to mess around in like Photoshop or draw on a piece of paper is if I'm making a flyer. That's pretty yeah, much yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. It's a good other side of that creativity to keep playing around with. And that's why I like all right, well, let me do more stuff like this. And then I end up doing most of the merch and the designs for the bands and stuff. Yeah, when, uh, when, we, when we're not, 
when I'm not burned out and making, you know, what? I'll pay someone else to do that shit. I'm just tired right now. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you mentioned to me earlier that you you, you do have a, a, another thing that you guys do where you you have like an animated graphic novel, is it? Right? Ah, yes. So technically speaking, all three of us are. I guess you could say models as well as voice actors. <laughs> I can tell by the jawlines. So, no, I've got uh, a project that I've been doing aside. It's actually been getting some pretty good response to it for the last three years. It was birthed out of quarantine, not having anything to do. Yeah. Um, so I made an animated graphic novel, which is based on an existing video game by the name of uh, Resident Evil. Sure. No, 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 if you've heard of it. <laughs> but um, I'm a huge fan of like the earlier entries in that game. Uh, I love the the PlayStation 1 titles. I right. grew up with those. Yeah, sure. And what I wanted to do was take that, and since it's always been focused on monsters and zombies and shit, take it back before that happens in the same environment, the city it takes place in. It's called Raccoon City. Yeah, yeah. No all, raccoons, by the no way. Raccoons, by no the raccoons, by the way. No raccoons. False advertising. <laughs> and so uh, the way that I do it is it's taking inspiration from this other game called Max Payne. Right. Which is a film the wire story about a detective. Yeah. It's very hard. It's about a hardball detective, that classic noir story that sure. I fell in love with as a kid. It exposed me to film the wire. So I decided, you know what? Their cutscenes in that video game, since they the the technology was so still underdeveloped, they couldn't render cutscenes. So instead they just did, you know what? It's a detective story, uh no wire story. Let's just make comic book panels instead. Yeah, okay. So they would take people on the team, became the actors. Yeah. Their parents became actors. Yeah. The guy who refills the soda machine was, hey, we'll just have you model as a, a mobster. Yeah. Man. And they would take pictures of them on a white wall and Photoshop the rest. And I saw that. I'm like, I can do that. And I've got nothing else to do with my time. So I did that. I made myself the main character because, you know, DIY. Because why wouldn't you? And then <laughs> it became like about three episodes out. He became my partner on the project initially to just help me do the music. So it's I have episodes out there on YouTube. It's oh by the way, it's called Carrier, a Raccoon City story. Sick. Okay. So it's like Sin City. It's like um, you know Max Payne. It's like I love that kind of thing. Yeah. I love film noir, that kind of vibe. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's set in the snow time. It's supposed to be more of a detective story. Heck. He plays the main villain. Do you have the yes. f- femme fatale? Yes. Got, yeah. I finally just got the femme fatale in there. It's my <laughs> nice. fiance. Okay, wicked. <laughs> and um, he plays. Uh, a news anchor character, but he voices at least like six different characters. Mm-hmm. So oh, he's wow. he's really the main voiceover talent. Okay. When you were doing the sound checks, I, I was very impressed by you have like a whole sub frequency to your voice, which is very I when I go like this. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> it's amazing. Do the uh, on the, the construction worker guys it's like the Chicago. It was freaking crazy. Oh, it's freaking crazy over there. Explosions up the wazoo. Explosions up the wazoo. What's going on? <laughs> That's more of like a, a Brooklyn kind of thing, like a New Yorker kind of. I don't know. It's I, awesome. I, I this is definitely the yeah. medium to yeah. 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 So... You know, that, that started when the band was a bit on hiatus and kept it going and the band came back. So I'm working on both projects simultaneously. And it's cool because the people who are a fan of the comic ever came to see us, it'd be like, hey, well, you're looking at pretty much the majority of the acting force on that. That's excellent. And you know what? Like these days, you've got to have a few different angles to hit to get something, you know? Yeah. So, so it's like those, the, those two sort of media angles, but they kind of come together as a band is it, yeah is that's how we started yeah. because we i went over there to do the voice yeah that's right and that's we right. just started talking about like how we all were different in different local bands and stuff and then we were just like yeah you know i wish it could have been this way or that way and then you know we were just like 
do you want to just jam? Yeah. And then we did. Because I only knew you as a drummer. He was in two great bands that I saw, Vagrant Stomp and then Death Lottery. Oh, yeah. I replaced uh, uh, the original drummer from Death Lottery. And I remember I saw a picture of you. All I did was I saw a picture of you holding a bass. And the Mm. way that you were playing drums, and I knew I'd seen you playing guitar at one point. Like, all right, if he knows drums and guitar, he's got to know bass. Yeah. Yeah. It's just no reason pretty accurate. Pretty accurate. So then you were hanging around. We were talking about it. First of all, I got you over to do the voiceover. And then from there, yeah, so I didn't even put that together. Carrier led to this formation of the band. Because for a while, we were, uh, not a while, for like one show, we were playing as a two-piece. Right, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this guy that uh, owned... Uh, it used It's tough times, but it used times. to be Loser Lounge. Yeah, Loser yeah. Lounge, yeah, yeah. And before yeah. that, it was Beer Punk, but the guy owned Rest it in peace, And yeah. he, he passed Rest away, peace, and, and uh, there was a tribute show. And uh, I don't know who or why, but they asked us out of the blue... And we did it, but we didn't have a bass player. So I said to Sean, all right, I'll start the band up again. Yeah. Under the condition that we record. Yeah. We start a new album. That's That was my condition. And then we don't play as much. <laughs> so <laughs> we, 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 we met one of those conditions. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But That's the, going. One yeah, out of three. The, uh, but we did that. And then we did that show. Um, and I liked it, but, you know, it was missing that bass thing. And, and the funny thing was, so originally my old one of my other bands was supposed to play, but we dropped out. And I was really upset at dropping out of shows. So I hit him up and literally the week of, and I said, hey, look, man, you want to just play like six songs on this thing? Yeah, yeah. And he's like, all right. And we had one practice. Yeah. And it was, we hadn't played the songs in almost like two to three years. Together. Okay. And we hit it like that. It was yeah. like, because then we did the show and I'm like, screw it. You know, we could do, like, there was another band from down here called the Riot Act. Yeah. And oh, there yeah, were yeah. two piece. They played like rock and roll, almost rockabilly. They made it work. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah. Let's just see where we go with that. Then JoJo came around. Yeah. Perfect. Well, we were supposed to have a, like two other bass players. None of them, or I guess it was just that one, the one with the with the dreads. I was supposed to audition or whatever before Joe. Is um, he the dude? Rocky. <laughs> oh no! It was it was the guy who looks like Rocky. Is it the dude from? Uh, uh, he plays a stand up electric yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's yeah, in. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I want to say he's in. Uh, he's a cool dude, he's actually. A, I forgot his name. The barely dance. Yes, Copper Tones. Copper yeah, Tones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so we yeah, couldn't lock something yeah. in, and then Joe came, and I think we did one or two songs with him, and I just looked at Sean, and Sean knows my looks, and yeah. then I said, Joe, hey, you're in the band. By yeah, the way, he gave me a Zippo <laughs> and it said Suicide <laughs> oh, Bombers on it. I'm did like, you bring it? no, I never bring it. Every time yeah, they're like, did Suicide you bring Bomber it? Zippo. Yeah, so he yeah, got yeah, this. Yeah. He had his custom made the worst, like by the way, But then so. once we all locked it in, we oh, got Jesus. these. So. Oh, man. It's custom made by uh, oh. Captain Metalworks, Captain which is Metalworks. Captain. He, used to, he was the uh, washboard player in Ascultura. <gasps> this is a great idea for merch. Yeah. Yeah. Some people like really kind of more expensive items. You know, you do always end up selling this stuff. I'm going to get some Kilbilly's Zippos, man. Yeah, he charges really cool. uh, really 50, nice. 50 bucks he charges. So, and the way yeah, that he does yeah. it, they're all custom and great for us. So for Noah's, yeah. uh, it says Suicide Bombers on the back is our song Roach Motel. Oh, yeah. Which is one of our really popular songs. And yeah. I think you just, you really, well, that's his like, he goes all out in the performance in that one. Yeah, that's the one where I end up bloody a lot. For me, <laughs> uh, I've got Rile em Up, which is the first song I ever wrote for the band. Nice. Like, and we, we re-recorded a different version of it for this new album coming out. Does he do it like by hand? or is he going, yeah. yeah, that's good. Yeah, by yeah, hand. yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. And for JoJo, I don't have it, but it but says it, it would say something like "gutter to grave" because that's he joined oh, nice. as part of this new well, album that we got coming out. Well, that's the perfect segue. Tell us about what's going on with the new album. Have you written all the songs? Yes, yeah. everything. As soon as we got him in the band, we just decided like half the album was written on the spot. Yeah, we they're all new songs. The other ones are ones that were sitting around for a bit that we decided uh, we cherry picked out of our list of songs and we sit around like all right these ones will do good but i believe like what five or six of the songs we just wrote on the spot yeah yeah and within we wrote and then we stole not stole but we took from those other songs to frankenstein like we had other songs that were ideas (laughs) that were like (laughs) oh it became this you know or we cut and mix into that so i think within you we usually go in for like two hours our session right within two sessions we had six songs from start to finish done. Oh, wow. Two yeah. of the first sessions. See, like the first time we were jamming, I think we did like a George Thorogood jam. Yeah, just yeah, like yeah. warm up. I wanted to play Who Do You Love? So yeah, yes. we did yeah. that for like, that was like a 20 minute. And then it turned into us writing like five songs the first practice. And I'm like, I love All right, it. They're serious. They're good. But then, <laughs> that's sick. the part that well, kind you were of good. hit the that's bit true. of the slow molasses was, all right, we got the songs down. Now we got to write the lyrics. Yeah. So I always, to me, a songwriting, it's the guitar comes first and then right, the words yeah. come after. But then um, we recorded them all at uh, our buddy's studio. Uh, we're the same guy we recorded our first EP with, but at a different studio. Oh, nice. Um, Can you remember what the studio is called? Yeah. Uh, Renown? Renown no. Recordings, I guess. Nick Rome. It's, okay. it's Romanelli Recordings. Is what, we love you, Nick. Oh, yeah, gotcha. Nick. We love you, Nick. If you want to find him, his name's Nick Romanelli. And yeah, yeah. And he studio. Sells, uh, also sells, has badass vintage equipment, badass Hollywood vintage. Yeah. Nice. And he Instagram. loves selling drums. Like you'll walk in there one day and then all of a sudden hang on the wall. It's like old, old-fashioned <laughs> Gibson, like I want to say ES-135, the, the regular acoustic-looking body. Nice. And it's so old-fashioned that it's not even that classic Gibson signature. It's the one they used in the 40s. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. oh, oh yeah, you know, cool. everything's vintage. The drums that I yeah. recorded on, they're from like the 40s, 50s. If Nick is watching this, uh, he'll correct me. But uh, it's all like old, old stuff. You walk in there and you, it's like a time machine. Yeah, yeah everything's so real awesome. to real, and it's yeah. He has you everything. hear the buzzing of the the recording happening. Yeah, it's, sure. It's, yeah. Vibe. it's so cool. If you ever seen that when they were whining on, it sounds like a spaceship because it's a uh, analog. Of, <laughs> that's I'm cool. So he records the tape. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's and then um, I've got a tape machine, but I don't use that often apart from just kind of little effects and things like that. But yeah, yeah they are super cool. Is it? Yeah, that's amazing. According to tapes, a lot of fun. <laughs> I have done it because at my university, I'm old enough where the studio at my university, their main way of recording was by tape. <laughs> mm, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. that's awesome. It's a dying art, man. It's a dying art. Yeah. Well, not a dying art. It's still there, but, uh, you know, hopefully it gets back in full force. Like, maybe. Who knows? I mean, you know, it's just another, these days, it's just like another flavor. The, the, one, the, the one thing that I will say, though, is I've spent an exorbitant amount of money on plugins to sound analog. Yes. Like, you know, distressors and this and that. And the stupid thing is, it's just like, well, why not just be analog <laughs> instead of trying to sound it all the time you know it's kind of like they put in the car before the horse is ridiculous. Yeah. yeah i've spent you know thousands of dollars on on analog emulators which is crazy but there we are so you're at the mixing process now yeah, uh, yeah i believe we actually got the majority of the songs mixed we're mixing with uh with a different guy from who we recorded with but he's the same guy who we recorded and mixed our last ep with 
which is okay. Tales from the Roach Motel. And, you know, we had a great time with them. I believe he's like a family friend of yours. Yeah. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. also got a really, really good keen ear for he's like the kind of person you'd want within like a I guess a producer role. Yeah. Cause he yeah. offers us such great insight. Like I honestly feel like he taught me how to sing on this one. Oh, nice. So we had uh I mean we recorded all the vocals and everything in Nick's studio. But then a few things we went back and redid just because we had a different perspective on it. I think I re-recorded at least one of the songs. Yeah. And it's a pretty lengthy song, but I didn't quite have the voice down. It's one where it's very much the energy is brought down a bit. It's a very slow jamming song, and it has its peaks. Yeah. I didn't know how to sing it for the longest time. We There's played some it live. I've had yeah. that. Where you get in your head about it too, and then you yeah. just can't figure out. But that, that's happened to me. Yeah, for And sure. then he just offers, like, why don't you, I can hear your you're at this point why don't you just go all the way there and i reached this high point that i never go to because i always want to get that punk gravelly i'm always trying to sound like mike ness to some degree sure. yeah, yeah i get <laughs> it and then he's like no no go there because where you're naturally your voice naturally goes and went to this higher level that i was there but never refined and then we just beat the hell out of it like we got all right great that's the sound then we did takes on we did two we later did and it just sounds like something i'd never done before oh wow that's so nice that you can bring that out in yeah. yeah that shows yeah. is like a good producer yeah know? yeah yeah that's really awesome shout out orin we love shout you, orin. out to you orin hi orin i'm no brother we love you and um he also gave some and advice has been given to us for quite some time but i for some reason listened to it on him like controlling volume control on the amps too Oh yeah, like for I think band practice for band practice especially. Yeah, because it, it just turns into like this this competition, and you get louder, yeah, yeah, the noise louder, louder and louder and louder. He yeah. came up to me, and I remember I was playing. He's like, is, is, "Is that how loud you're playing usually?" I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "How old are you?" And I thought he was gonna like judge me. Like, you're that you're this old, and you're still playing guitar like that. And he's like, "You're that old. You're gonna be deaf before you reach 40. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I was like, turn down a bit because that way. The drums don't have to go as hard and they can focus on playing. And then wet, that way, when he does put the effort in, it re- hear like the the fills and such. Yeah, the yeah. accents and all that the stuff. The accents and everything. So I'm like, Because you're able to hear each other yeah. more and you're not having to focus on what this guy's doing, what he's doing, all those things. And he yeah, has... Totally. Because when, you know, when you're young, the really the fun thing about being in a band is making wow, a lot of noise. Oh, hard. There's a band. Yeah. But then it, when you're actually trying to get stuff done yeah. and you're a bit older, it's like, why on earth are we playing so loud? Yeah. There's a band <laughs> that we, me and have both grew up seeing from the local scene down here called The Panics. Yeah. They were the only thrash punk band that I personally have... I would say they did it right. Yeah, nice. Because they had members of that band Black Tide in them. Okay. But... We knew them. They were in the same kind of high school neighborhood as us. Where do you guys live, by the way? I live in Fort Lauderdale, but I grew gotcha. up in Coral Springs, going gotcha. to like to Terravalla High School and stuff. Gotcha. I grew up uh, in Hollywood, but I live in Plantation. Okay. Yeah. I live in Lake Worth off of Hypoluxo by Congress. Shout out to Chris Taverna. That's Greek food. There you go. <laughs> Hold the phone. Yeah, yeah. You you so live. You're, so you're the most local. Of the, <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, three. this is an easy ride after work. I was <laughs> you like, Hypoluxo in Congress. Well, Venetian, but it's Venetian. right by Congress. Yeah, you right by where I grew up as a kid. I, if you could just give the exact address and your mother's maiden name. Six six three, eighty two Sam Piper Way. Oh wow! Oh shoot! I know where that's at. That's that's where I grew up, and that's where. I, oh shit! Yeah, I moved to Brazil. I lived there for out there at the entire nineties, and I left the country, and that's where I first heard Green Day. I was living in that neighborhood over there. Oh shit! Oh, that's so. Awesome. Small world, Dr. Jones. Small yeah, look at that. We're still learning about each other. But, so, um, but yeah, yeah, Sean, we, we know, uh, like, 
you remember the, the era of all of the kind of swamp punk bands, you know, Everyman and all those and Kalastima and all those kind oh, yeah. of bands. Yeah. Um, is, uh, is your sister who was in Kalastima? Who was in? Oh, my fiance is in Kalasima. Gotcha. Which could be your sister if we lived a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little further north. Hi, Trish. That's I've been awesome. known I to explore really loved, kinks. I always really loved that band. Um, I know at one point there was some kind of a weird scuffle between Nono Scarf and Kalasima, but it was nothing to do with me. Yeah, and I've always loved that band. It's They're always awesome. leadership, leadership roles, you know, management, yeah. politics, politics. Exactly. Uh, just, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I could care less about any of that nonsense. I just thought, sort of bring it up to say, I don't care but yeah i thought they were one of the best <laughs> one of the best bands i've ever uh do them because be seen. before that there was a band by the name of viva la vox yeah that, exactly that's what kind of yeah. spawned everything isn't it? and it's it's funny you say swamp punk because that that's the only term i could think of yeah. when i first saw them uh, the darling sweets too the darling sweets the goddamn gallows the goddamn gal well they're not from here though oh. there's a band called the goddamn hustle but they're more like oh, yeah. like uh -huh. Black Keys rock and roll. Gallows is the one with the Jesus song, right? Y'all motherfuckers. Yeah, y'all motherfuckers need Jesus. Yeah, y'all motherfuckers. They're, they're good friends Cecil of ours. Cecil's band too. cool. Do you remember yeah. the band that Cecil was in with the big beard? That guy, the guy who used to run propaganda, of course. Oh, man. Uh, they were talking awesome about um, the band that Dent, Dent was in for a little bit. Oh, I can't um, remember. Which one? You know, it's going to be one of those situations yeah. where we're going to have to come was back. Was he also like in a sludge band? Um, Cecil, I don't think he was. But that, yeah, when I got to... When I got to... Um, South Florida. It was like two years before Matt started running propaganda. So, oh, wow. so it was um, Justin and this guy Cecil. And yeah, he had it's blacks, black weather shaman. That was all they were called. Black weather shaman. Nah, yeah, that's yeah. a bit before my time. But I would <laughs> say like it felt like when I was really getting into playing in the music scene, like out after you know being done with high school and shit, Lake Worth. And Broward and Miami had all like different avenues of punk. Like, yeah. Miami was the straight street punk. Yeah. Thrash, like street rock and roll, especially. Yeah. Like he had bands like OPS, yeah. which was like the first time I saw some dude with in person, dude with leopard print spots on his hat and a big blue mohawk. Yeah. Uh, Nestor, shout out to you, man. Hi, Nestor. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, bands like Five Across the Eyes. Yeah, bands like OP, uh, I said OPS, Enough, FTN, No Peace at All. And Broward had a bit more of like, um, a bit more like the pop punk side. Yeah. But still a bit more like street punk too okay. mixed into it. Yeah. And Lake Worth, there's always this element of pop punk, but to me, Lake Worth and like West Palm area was that swamp punk. Yeah. The Darling exactly. Sweets, yeah, 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 yeah. the uh, Viva La Vox. Yeah. It had this, it was such a, it really was its own scene and yeah. all the bands were kind of coherent within that scene. Yeah. It made sense that, it, and, and it was a scene all its own too. There's like, I don't think, I mean, folk punk and stuff was quite big at that time, but not like that. Yeah. That was his own thing, you know? I thought that that was just ingrained in, in the city for it was going to be there forever. For me, propaganda was like, that was where you go to see girls dressed in like a, a mix between like old timey, like 1800 classic yeah. stuff with <laughs> pinup, you know, that yeah, yeah. looks so beautiful up there. Like, I mean, you know, I, I was in love with like the punk chick with like the, the studs and the vest and shit, but that looked like a more mature woman yeah, crowd yeah. up there. With Lindsay from the <laughs> and like, sort of red, bright red hair. Yeah, <laughs> and all the guys looked so cool. Like they all dressed up in like two-piece suits and that looked worn out and the suspenders. And then, like, I was 19. Like, all right, you know, I'm just really getting into like, I'm the skate punk, you know, I got my band. I got like the ripped, you know, dog pile jeans and my vans, my mohawk. And I see that I'm like, you know what? I talked to my guys in the band. Like, we we got to start dressing up, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, so now I hear you. And it, that's what, when I moved here, that was all going on. And 
I miss it. I miss it. That that was so cool. All yeah. of that stuff, yeah. you know. It was it's it was this whole own thing, and he, a lot of those people have even moved away now. You know, yeah. So the Miami punk scene. That's what happened with that. I yeah. grew up going to doing all that stuff, and all those guys. I mean, all those bands are honestly dead I'd in the water, gone. And I'd say that on and, Churchill shutting down was really like. Well, I don't want to say they shut down, but honestly, when they changed man, yeah. When when, when Dave Daniels sold the sold place, it. yeah, yeah that's, that's when everything went downhill. Yeah, but you know what, like. um we're all doing the best we can to, to try and sort of rectify the situation. And th- there are a bunch of bands up here. We've just got to step, all step it up a little bit, you know? Yeah. Step it yeah. up, yeah. Because yeah. at the end of the day, the scene is what you make it. You yeah, know what I mean? 100%. It's like what you're doing out there. It would, all, it would really help, too. There was a place that felt like a central hub for shows, you know? Like yeah. for the longest time, like I said, like Churchill's was that spot where, you know, that was every show. That was where every everyone. show was at. You know, you could be a nobody and go there and play, and yeah. they'll let you in the door. And you then, know, I played at Churchill's before I lived in America. No got, shit. Yeah, what? That's I came cool. all the way from Manchester, and and it was the it was the Miami stop on our tour. Yeah, nice. and then I ended up moving like an hour away from the place. So <laughs> That's I got, awesome. I got That's my teeth awesome. knocked out there. Oh wow! The first, congratulations. <laughs> the first go. and only time I ever saw the business. Oh man! Oh, yeah. wow. They came down, and I went in there knowing that it was it was like it was May two thousand eight. Yeah, but and, the business at Churchill's is that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. the drummer in that band I knew him pretty well in Manchester. Cool guy. Um, they're an awesome band. Yeah, but if we had a place that felt more like, well, that's where you'll see any kind of band play. Yeah, that felt still felt that way because for me, the longest time, Poor House in Fort Lauderdale felt that way. It still is, and honestly, like, you know, we we don't play there as often, and it feels like the the, the vibe around it, like that, that's where everyone wants to be at, and that's where everyone wants to play. Yeah. Like I'm not seeing a lot of shows promoted there a lot, but that's it would help. There's a spot that everyone felt that way that hey, let's go. Even if we're not playing, let's just go there because we're gonna go catch a show. Yeah, I feel like propaganda still uh, still has that, but it, oh, um, I think they're because I think they're doing well, they have great. Variety, the yeah. propaganda has variety. Propaganda has variety. Yeah, we love you. After they announced like new management, because there was a time where it was kind of quiet with it's transitioning over the with the the work and such. Uh, it's it's fantastic. Yeah. I love Providence no, a lot. Absolutely, it, it, playing there on the twenty third. You know, it, it the place looks great. I've got to try and get in there more often. We're playing there next month. We're on some. We're on a bill with some hip hop folk act or something. See, like that's that. what's cool about like, yeah. propaganda. Like, like yeah. there's not a lot of venues that will cater to there the, was the an, variety of stuff. There was yeah. an interesting show that we had a propaganda like oh, with a sewer, while ago with, with, with suicide with suicide. So, yes. Apparently, um, you know, I don't. I'm not too familiar with the genre of music, but apparently, suicide is he's, a. Uh, he's a juggler. Well, he's not only a juggler, but that term "suicide" is actually relevant in the ICP community. Really, in the insane clown posse. What's up, suicide? So we yeah. played a show. This one guy, and we had oh, no. Yeah. We were booked on the show, and I see. Wait, are we are we listed twice? Because it says oh, suicide wild. and suicide bombers. And I went to go play, and then we find the guy, and he's like this. <laughs> he's a scrawny little. Uh, he's a nice guy. He's and a nice I, I dude, but he's a scrawny, uh, nerdy-looking dude. But he's <laughs> all into like that heavy, like Juggalo ICP hip hop shit. Yeah, and he comes up to us like, "Hey, so I hear you're the Suicide Bombers. Not gonna lie, it's a cool name. You guys are cool, but that just let me know I had the name first. But let's party. It was his birthday, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he got re- he was he got, like, they, a really shit face. They, they, they carried him out. out of the show as we're playing. <laughs> oh my word, that's awesome! That's, awesome. Just, yeah. that's great. Yeah. I love I think it. We don't give it up for suicide. <laughs> Two bands called Suicide on a bill is very unlikely. Yeah, yeah. incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, what are the odds of that? Yeah. I reckon now would be a good um, time for us to listen to a tune by you guys. How does that sound? Oh, Let's God. do it. <laughs> Absolutely. Sounds horrible. All right, wicked. <laughs>
This is a song about having the blues. It's called The Dog Died and the Cat Don't Like Me Much. We have a rather special sponsorship this week. My friend Stu, who I know from Round and About in Jupiter, has an Instagram page, which is at Stu Says. So at S-T-E-W-S-A-Y-S. And it is really just for dog lovers. Stu loves dogs, and he has an Instagram page, which is just dedicated to the dogs that he meets on his travels. 
So you should go check it out. There's some really nice pictures of dogs on there and become part of Stu's dog loving community. I couldn't think of a more wholesome thing for us to be advertising, really. He is a supporter and a friend of the show, and he wanted to help us get our message out there. And we could give him this in return. It's um, just us letting you guys know that you can go and see beautiful pictures of dogs on Instagram at Stu Says. I've just been surfing through all the pictures, and there's some really cute pictures of dogs on there. I'm going to show some up on the screen now. (laughs) Yeah, man, go check it out. Stu is a legend. He's one of the nicest people I know, and his Instagram is just a delight. He couldn't have picked a better podcast, really. My band is called Nina's Yard Party, which is named after my dog. And if you listen really carefully, you could probably hear my dog barking in the background. I'm a big dog lover. One more time, it's www.instagram.com forward slash Stu Says. S-T-E-W-S-A-Y-S. It's the end of the year, and it's time to get those taxes done. We all hate doing it, but it's just something that needs to get done. You can call Mary at Harmony Management Group and she'll make it as painless as possible for you. For the past several years, Mary has become the go-to accountant for the scene's musicians and artists, and really any small business. Need help? Give her a call today at 561-420-5652 or visit harmonymanagementgroup.com. Now, I can personally say that Mary is an absolutely wonderful accountant and she understands firsthand the world of artists and musicians. She's been a huge help to Killbillies and we are so proud to have her as a sponsor because she really cares about the local music scene and the local art scene. If you need help with the paperwork side of any small business, Mary has got your back. Again, the way to get in touch with her is 561-420-5652 or you can visit harmonymanagementgroup.com. We are also sponsored by Oasis Root. Now, Oasis Root Carver Bar is in Seagrape Square on Indian Town Road, and it is a carver bar. If you don't know anything about carver, it's a Polynesian root that you grind up and you mix with water, and it has been in Polynesia for potentially thousands of years. It's, a, it's an old thing that um, they used for kind of ceremonial and also um sort of ledger purposes it's meant to be something where you know that brings people together um you will take a a shell of carver and chink them together and say bula and have it together like that it's meant to be something to bring people together it's uh has a kind of an effect which is i guess a kind of a slightly warming effect Uh, it just kind of makes you feel nice it's not particularly intoxicating it's not like drinking alcohol so the atmosphere in a carver bar is sort of like um, a cross between a regular bar and uh, a coffee house. It's pretty chill in there. Um, you get all sorts of different types of carver bars. Some of them are more like a club, you know, this sort of like black light and EDM playing. And some of them are more like a cafe. This is one of the cafe type of ones. It's it's super chill in there. If you're looking for somewhere to, I don't know, maybe go and do some work on your laptop or go and have a chat with friends, it's perfect for that kind of thing. There's a foosball table in there if that's your jam, or baby foot as they call it in France. And uh, yeah, Jim, the owner, is a really cool guy and he has very kindly sponsored our podcast. So thank you very, very much for that, Jim. They also do a poker night in there, all sorts of things going on at Oasis Root Carver Bar. 561 Music is sponsored by Live Music Community. It's where we film the podcast that you're listening to right now, and it's also where I work. 
Gavin, Hector's son, was a student here for a long time. And in many ways, he's the musician he is today because of the teachers at Live Music Community. We taught him not only about his instrument, but also about being in a band. And his band, Unemployed Youth, accomplished a lot of goals, mostly band etiquette, how to work together, and all of the nitty-gritty that goes into being in a band on a day-to-day basis. The student signs up for lessons, learns their instrument, joins a real band, and decides the direction it goes in. And we can take people from very young age, you know, six or seven years old, all the way up to 80. You know, there's no age limit here. Um, We've run an adult program for people who want to be in a band as adults. But really, the main focus is on the the kids and getting them playing together and in bands. Um, We are also a studio, a live stream venue, and we can record audio or video. The Killbillies live album, Warts and All, was recorded here. It was recorded during a live stream that we did during COVID. Justin had a great idea to record live streams during COVID. A ton of bands came in and it was a real success. Um, But outside of that, we can record albums. We can help you with your EPK. And we have full audio-visual capabilities here. LMC is in Palm Beach Gardens on the northwest corner of Military Trail and North Lake Boulevard. It's north of the gas station right before you get to North Lake on Military Trail. And if you go to livemusiccommunity.com, you have all the information you'll need right there. Thanks. All right. So we've just been listening to an ad for Live Music Community. Um, do you guys have any advice for upcoming musicians? Why don't we just go around the table? Let me start with you, Sean. Uh, yes. Early to bed, early to rise keeps a kid, you know, doing well in school or something. <laughs> <laughs> Curly fries. Uh, and curly fries. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, if you're someone who wants to get into playing music, I mean, if you want to take lessons, go for it. Even if you don't feel like taking lessons or don't think that it's cut out for you, yeah. still go for it. Yeah. My recommendation that I started doing when I was playing guitar is, look, you've got all those frets. Whether you bought the thing or you stole it, doesn't matter. You have all these frets on the guitar. Make use of them. And the way I did it was I play a little game called Connect the Dots. Right. Yeah. So literally, it, you don't have to be doing scales or anything that sounds like a song. It eventually becomes a song to your ear. Sure. Just connect it. Yeah. You know, and then start connecting the non-dot spaces. Yeah. And then go from there. Yeah, man. Exactly. There's a, you, don't, you don't have to turn it into this big giant thing. You know. Just yeah. Just you can just have fun with it, man. Yeah. Just absolutely. have yeah. Have fun with it. Um, get used to stand uh, playing around a bit. You know. It's understandable, a stage fright, everyone goes through that. But eventually, you just start figuring out, you know what, how do I make myself more animated on stage? Because yeah. you want to put on a show. Yeah, you know? and, and you guys really do put on a show. I love it when you play. Like, you guys slay. It really has, like, this just raw, like, energy, you know? It's cool. I mean, there's a there's a story behind that, because we weren't always like that. Right. We, were, you know, we were doing the regular jump around stage thing. But at one point, we played our first show with the band Daikaiju. Yeah. Which is, I mean, if you see that, I mean, those guys <laughs> take mean, it to a whole nother level. Yeah, I had no idea who they were. I was mis. I thought they were called Dekaju or something. <laughs> I, I thought it was like a, like an anime band or something. I had no idea that it was a surf band referencing Godzilla. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. we played a show like probably about 2018 down at Kill Your Idol in Miami. Yeah, that tiny little joint, the size yeah. of a closet, the size of a closet. And these guys played it, and they just wipe the floor with us look thankfully yeah. we were you can't be before. better yeah. than them i don't think there's a way of being like more exciting than they are but that was <laughs> yeah. like okay get yeah. out there even though i've grown up watching like every man play but it's just 
get out there, make the floor your stage. You yeah. know, even if if we're playing shows where there's like five people, that's great. If, yeah. Or if there's a big open spot in front of the stage, fine. I, I want that space. Yeah, because that you know, if you if you really kind of engage with the crowd, break the fourth wall and all that stuff, people feel like they're a part of the whole yeah. thing, you know? It's a great way to just bond with the audience. And they'll yeah. remember the performance more than the music half the time, too. So even if, like, your band isn't that good, that's fine. Yeah, you put totally. on that performance and people will remember that. Yeah. That's 100% yeah. true. Um, and, you know, but with Killbillies, we play a lot of, like, long shows and stuff like that, and it's not really the same kind of thing. It's like playing music. We, you know, we perform, but we, but it's not like we got 20 minutes to prove ourselves kind of situation. It's a bit of a different yeah, matter. Yeah. But, um, you know, in other bands that I'm in, yeah, I take it really seriously, for sure. Yeah. No doubt about it, man. Yeah. Um, what about, um, you know, have you got any advice for the youth? Yeah. Uh, yes, take lessons, um, if you're able to. Uh, I was self-taught for, I don't know, 10 years. And then at some point, I, I, I needed to take lessons because I was starting to get pain on my fingers. Um, and that opened up a whole world, uh, not only musically, but philosophically, about right. approaching uh, drums, uh, not just playing, you know, and counting to four, but, you know, it goes beyond that. Um, <clears throat> and then if you're in a band, lots of advice, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, understand the other members, their limitations how to work with those limitations. And then also, um, regardless of your role, is also how to push the guys or girls uh, to the potential. Um, you know, if I like a certain type of music, and I know that it's not necessarily what Sean likes, knowing how to convey what it is that I want to get out of him without necessarily either A, pushing him beyond his limits, but also, you know, encouraging him uh, and and, you know, Really just honestly having fun. And yeah. we, we always say that, you know, have fun, have fun, but really in, enjoy yourself. I'm uh, sorry to break this to you, Noah, but yes. the Dave Matthews band does not, in fact, okay. rock. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, so that drummer, so Carter Buford, see, so Carter Buford, right? A phenomenal drummer. He is an um, amazing drummer, um, but and, that, that's, and, a, that's as I far mean, as I'll go. I think, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, same here, man, because like they have great songs. I can go on and on about all bands, but they have great songs, but their greatest songs are the ones where he really shines. Yeah. You know, and, but you even, even Dave Matthews, there are certain songs where you can hear the band has fun. Yeah. Uh, they accentuate certain things, and it sounds like they're enjoying themselves. And when people watch you and you're having fun, it makes a really big difference. Yeah. I've had, you know, people come to see us play in the past, and they're like, oh, you really like, you're enjoying yourselves, and it, and it made us enjoy ourselves. You know, yeah. that's a huge effect. Yeah. Just that energy transfer. A big deal. And when you're making the songs too, um, one of the reasons why I love Thrash was listening to Anthrax and listening to them on their albums, it sounds like they're really enjoying themselves. They're making fun of themselves uh, during the songs. They have, you know, a lot of comedy to it. Yeah. It's not like, you know, bullshit comedy. Um, even blues guys, you listen to Buddy Guy and that's somebody that has fun while he's playing the guitar. Yeah. And you can, to hear that on an album is really difficult. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It really is. And and if you can convey that. You know, I tried to bring some of the liveness into the new Killbillies record because it was so tempting. It's, it's always so tempting to flatten everything on a recording to mm -hmm. death, you know, yeah. to the point where everything's perfect. But it's, you know, with this, and, and every now and again, that is the right thing to do with a record. But this one, for us, it, you know, I wanted to try and make it sound like we sound. 
you know, yeah. just give it the, the vitality. And it was a challenge, you know, because you've got to figure out at what point you stop obsessing about the little things and, you know, just and let certain things through just to give it that yeah, live feel. Put kazoos on the album, put whistles, uh, you know, have fun, be goofy with it, <laughs> like, enjoy it. Kazoo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Didn't you put like one of our albums, was it a Glockenspiel or something? Yeah. Yeah, that was um, the the. What is that thing, by the way? The second album. It's like a little xylophone. Yeah, it? it was like a little mini mini xylophone. What's the one you hit? It sounds like a spur. Like, uh, what is that? that door stopper. It's, it's yeah, the, pretty sure it's that. Yeah, so it's <laughs> like a rattler or a rattle. Is, it, yeah, like, is that the like guiro thing? Yeah. It? No, that's the Latin. Guiroza is the Latin instrument that you kind of like. Move oh, that's right. Around. This is one that it looks like a, like a door type of like door stopper and you kind of flick it yeah yeah yeah, like a ruler like a ruler on a table so not not to go too far off topic with the segue here from what they're saying uh are each one of our recordings we kind of explore with auxiliary percussions i think is what you call it yeah but on every ep we have one of our songs has a hidden whip crack in it that we recorded ourselves myself by the way on the side i'm a huge indiana jones fanatic Oh, so, I mean, if I it, was, it. If it wasn't it. for Indiana Jones, I wouldn't be born. My parents' first date was Raiders of the Lost Ark. But oh, wow. uh, I learned how to use a whip. And so the first CP, the second EP, the third EP, and this is a new recording. There's a whip crack in there. I won't tell you where, but you got to listen for it. Interesting. I love that. Yeah. It's so cool you can use a whip. Um, all right, yeah. So JoJo, have you got any advice for the, for the youths? Yes, three things. First one, feedback is a gift. Mm. Regardless of where you're getting it from, whether it's a bandmate, a mentor, a teacher, even your amp, your amp, <laughs> literally, or your drums, drums it's a gift. Up. And the only part that hurts is the ego, right? So just when you're hearing it from someone, just learn to just take in what they're saying in a constructive way. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Easier yeah, said sure. than done. And Easier even, said than done. And even if they're not saying anything, make sure you take it in and make sure you overanalyze it. That's what he does. That's what he does. Uh, second, no, you're right. Feedback is oh, a yeah, gift for yeah. sure. No, you're right. Yeah. Second thing I would say is when you perform, play like it's the last time you're allowed to. Play like it's the yeah. last time. Like that's the philosophy that I've taken upon myself every time I went on stage since I was young to this very day. I play like it's the last time I'm playing. Yeah. I, I mean, at some point there. it's going to be. So, you know, I may as well act like that for sure, man. 100%. That, that's great advice. What's number three? Number three is do not stop, right? Mm. You're going to have moments in your life that may even take you away from playing music, right? Don't beat yourself up for it, right? But don't stop either. Allow yeah. yourself to lean into life and then allow yourself to lean back into music because one inspires the other. Yeah. yeah. So definitely allow yourself to have that moment where, again, you just find that balance of life and music. I mean, I yeah. can add on to that too. Like, is there a point in time music and our performances stopped because we all went into quarantine and but music and the creativity was still there and that's how i made carrier and then that was the creative side and i figured out how to get music into there because it's an actual story that i'm telling yeah and nice for entertainment pe- purposes like all right this needs music so this guy we put it together ourselves on that too so yeah, the music fair. still prevails I, it might come through a different avenue yeah. of approach but it can still be there if you wanted to and hang on to it because you might not realize it but you can come up with a way in which music would be really uniquely included in a project that yeah. no one saw coming you're, Absolutely. you're, you're musicians you eat and breathe this anyways yeah, yeah. When, I, when i left the band it was still there and then we just you know rejoined and everything so can you tell me a little bit about what that song that we just listened to was about 
Yes. Excellent. So that was a bluesy song that uh, the riffs I've been sitting on for quite some time uh, in the key of G. Oh, and yes. it's called The Dog Died and the Cat Don't Like Me Much. <laughs> <laughs> and contrary to popular belief, that has nothing to do with dogs or cats. Uh, okay. What is it about? But um, I mean, it's just about, you know, being young and wild. I, like, yeah. I, I draw a lot of my lyrical experience. If I can't write like a fantastical story or something for entertainment, I try to draw from my experiences. And it just comes from growing into like from partying from my teens and my 20s into like my current 30s right now. Yeah. Still, you know, still keeping it up, still doing the late nights. But then it comes to a point where. I'm just doing this now because I don't know any other way and I'm trying to find a way. Gotcha. You know, trying to find maturity to the things that you did when you were younger. Yeah, nice. So Okay. That's I mean, kind of profound, actually. I like yeah. it. I'm still trying to find a way, but it's it's coming. It's going around. <laughs> yeah, let's take a look at the um at your guitar. Absolutely. We have a guitar to, let's take a look here. Uh, to gaze oh, look at that look thing, at that. man. Oh my god. Rockabilly is oh, it's so cool. I call it Dave. Okay. What's up, Dave? <laughs> how many how many uh frets does it have? Um, 21 11 <laughs> <laughs> So how'd you get this guitar? What's the story uh, behind this guitar? So I've always wanted um, a hollow body guitar ever since I first saw I didn't know that they were meant for rockabilly The first time I ever saw one was um, with Rancid Sure. When at some point Tim Armstrong started playing the black one mm-hmm. Yeah. And my first thought was Oh, that's the, those guitars are meant for ska Yeah Because yeah. I would see them do the upstrokes on it And I would go into like a, like a, a Sam Ash or Mars music when yeah. I was still around. Mars. <laughs> and I would find, I would try to find them. They'd always be so high up in the wall because they're expensive. Yeah. So I had to kind of sheepishly ask a guy if I could play it. And he'd look at me and was like, you're 13. What are you going to know in this thing? <laughs> so, um, and then I worked at Guitar Center for a while and I got to play around on them. And that's after I got exposed to like Stray Cats and Brian Setzer's insane guitar playing. And then I saw that you can actually do some punk rock stuff on it after hearing the the living end sure and um i'd always wanted one for the longest time and so this was actually found on a lucky find on craigslist oh wow uh i got this thing probably i want to say like seven years ago seven okay. or eight and it just so happened it's real to be, member of the family now yeah it happened to be <laughs> blind luck that it was a sunburst one too I, I am a sucker for sunburst yeah it could be even a guitar i'm not even a fan of if it's sunburst yeah i'll play it <laughs> and, um, I hear you. I like it too. It's like the first time you hear about sunburst when you're young. You like um, when you see it on a guitar. Yeah. It's one of the th- things like when you, when you're young, the first guitar you think is awesome is a Strat, and for some reason, the first color you think is awesome is sunburst. Yeah, because it is the most awesome yeah. one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what. so when I went to go get that thing, uh, the guy I bought it off. It was way the fuck down in like Southwest Miami. As it, was, it seems like all the good stuff on Craigslist <laughs> that's available in South Florida is always way down in South Miami for oh, some man. reason. So when I when I went to go get it, I had the cash in hand. Went to the guy's house, and he was like, "Yeah, it really just sits around for decoration purposes now." As I'm going to buy it, his wife comes up and. At first, she's joking, like, oh, but it really makes the room look so good. And I'm like, ah, ha, ha, that's funny, nice. Now give me the guitar. And she's like, but baby, it really looks much better in the living room. And I could see he was having second thoughts. I'm like, oh, man. I grabbed this hand, like, there's 400 bucks for you right here on front. Close your hand. I'm walking out of here with this. Yeah, yeah. His missus just trying to persuade him now. Yep. Oh, my word. <laughs> and then the, um, the last 
So I'd actually recorded the Roach Motel song with that one. But the last item on there I'd like to discuss is there's a sticker on the bottom which says the GC5. That is hands down my top favorite non-Florida-based punk rock band. Again, they're more of a street rock and roll band, but they're from Ohio, Youngstown, Ohio. Oh, okay. Good so center. a lot of the bands I grew up loving, uh, I got into them either as they're on their way out or long after they'd finished up. Sure. And this is a band that I only heard from like a couple of tunes downloaded off of like LimeWire or something. Yeah. <laughs> Never knew who they were. And then my fiance, just, and she's from Ohio, so she knew about them. I got their record and I just, that was like, this is the perfect blend of rock and roll, like Chuck Berry rock and roll and street punk. It's yeah. like a street punkers decided they wanted to learn how to play their instruments better. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was what, I loved that band so much that in 2016, I happened across a post by them saying, we're doing a reunion show at Now That's Class up in somewhere outside of like Cleveland, Ohio. And this is like in November. And it was a, a couple months before. And so I'm like, hey, babe. So I was thinking for Thanksgiving, you know, we go and visit your family up in Ohio. I've never <laughs> been to Ohio. So that's great. So, also, we're up there. Can we go catch this show? Oh, that's fun. Mm. And just to finish that story off, I commented on their post that, hey, we're coming all the way up from Miami to see you guys. These are like, they were huge on the U.S. touring, but, you know, they all act like they're the local bands. You know, they, they yeah. don't think themselves that big. Sure. So when we get to the show and they're, they, they start to play, I'm in the crowd having one hell of a time. They In between songs, like, hold up. Who's the fucking person that said they they came all the way from Miami? I'm like, oh, that's me, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, why? Guys, <laughs> <laughs> kick ass, man. And we talked and got the sticker from them, and it stays nice. there nice and prominent because that's where I feel they deserve it. Yeah, that's a, that's a hell of a story for a sticker, man. That's that you really sort of went out of your way for that one. It's badass. Yep. Yeah, I I I know that that sort of edge of um of like punk rock into kind of sort of rockabilly there. Whereas just it has all of that attitude of punk, but then it's but then it just has and like you were saying, is that the music is just a little superior, you know, like they're yeah. really kind of that's that is a great spot for music. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time I feel that's where you guys live, you know? And it's it's sick. We I remember the first song we ever tried experimenting with because we all loved and even with our previous bass player, we, we all had an affinity for blues. Yeah. And to me, like Blues is always like the the subterranean section of rock and roll. It's a darker area where, you know, you you go down there if you know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, totally. um, you know, and I always respected that. And yeah. I remember like the first time thinking that blues and punk rock went hand in hand, that they could be in the same bill together was I borrowed a punkorama compilation from my buddy. Yeah. I think it was volume eight. Okay. And it was the first time I ever listened to a punkorama, but I knew of the bands on there and then on one of the bands I first heard on there was the Black Keys. Yeah. And there was like a contrast from like the distillers and Bad Religion and all of a sudden there's this slow dirty bluesy jam on there and that yeah. became like my one of my favorite songs to hear because it was so different sure, compared yeah. to the lineup. And then with these guys after I got to know and understand especially Noah's technicality more I'm like you know what why don't we try like some more bluesy stuff inspired from the acts of K. Lostima. Yeah. And then we wrote the song called uh, Jezebel, mm. yeah, which okay. was the first time we'd ever done something slow. Yeah. That wasn't like a ballad or anything. It was just a blues tune. It takes guts to do a slow blues tune as a punk band. It, you know, it's definitely it like definitely pushing ourselves out there. When we first played it, 
the people were, who were already used to our sound, it definitely took them by surprise. You could see the look in their face. They're like, really? I don't know, what is <laughs> <Yes>. this? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. And I, I thought that was great. Like they, they didn't react to it like as much as the other ones. And I thought that was fantastic. That means, all right, we're, we're catching them off guard. Yeah. Now let's make them love it. Yeah. And that's how we get putting out more songs and such. And that's what led to the dog died and the cat don't like me much style songs. Gotcha. I love it, man. It's, yeah, it's interesting. It's a, it's a novel approach to, you don't hear that many punk bands around, the, you know, to play blues. It, you know, it just doesn't seem to be much of a, I mean, there's, you know, it's out there, but, but definitely down here. And at the moment, I can't think of anyone, you know, apart from you playing blues tunes. I mean, it'd be great if we did, though, it's one thing I have to do, especially if it's younger kids come up, they start, Seeing us and want to do what they what we sound like, like great man. Yeah, That's, yeah. Mix mix a lot of stuff because we mix yeah. a lot of things too. Is hey, you know, it's just saw this band and they did this cool. Yep. You get a style and let's do this and let's let's mix that. You get a lot of like the kind of like one man band type blues punk stuff. That's yeah. like mm-hmm. a big deal. Yeah. Well, but, Bruno, who's big in, in the one man band stuff, he's on the album Lone Wolf nice. one yeah, man band. Wolf. Yeah, he plays harmonica on the on the recording. We we went a little bit. We we experimented a bit more with that song too. Um, I do a lot of finger picking uh, naturally, but also on an acoustic guitar, which he also swapped over and he does slide oh, pedal, sick. Uh, lap slide guitar on the recording. Yeah. And do you Bruno, do, do you play? Do you do chicken picking when you play? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That was. I saw it. I tried it like years ago. I'm like this shit's hard. Yeah. And then I'm like, but I it looks so cool. I know <laughs> and it fits so well with you yeah. guys' style too. I was actually um, teaching a kid how to do it yesterday and I reminded myself how much how fun it is it yeah, is yeah. it's it definitely got to warm up for it it's a like bit playing drums on yeah with your hand with your fingers yeah, yeah. or with your forehead <laughs> he, he does it a lot i do that i do that well, yeah, you gotta put it on a shelf so you do stupid things behind the drum set that you know 90 percent you don't see but when you do see it it'll be you know me playing with my head or this there's, there's <laughs> plenty of times bloody. we play and i remember like it's like some people come up to us like commenting on it but like the anyone who's first seen us play when we do the Roach Mattel song, I don't know at what point he decided to do it, but he gets up and he just walks around. He'll disappear, and everyone's like, "Did did he just did he just quit?" Or and he'll be in the back, just like line up a cigarette. And like, Is he taking a nap? I'm like, Sometimes I have. Other times hilarious. it looks like you walk around and you're just angry, and people are like, "They." I think he's pissed off. No, man. it's it's the, no, it's the energy, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, what do you guys got coming up? What's in the what's in the pipes for uh, for Suicide Bombers? So, like I mentioned earlier, uh, we got the new album called Gutter to Grave, and we're gonna be releasing a couple singles off of that, and within at least like within the next month or two, once we get some yeah. things settled. Uh, the next shows we got coming up, uh, we're actually you're gonna be going out of town for a bit, uh, just for the weekend. We're doing. March 8th and 9th, they're doing Orlando and Gainesville. Nice. Uh, I know Gainesville are playing with uh, this fantastic band, which everyone should check out, called Piss Test. Mm-hmm. Shout out to you, Deb. And Buck. And Buck. Mm-hmm. Another good name. And um, <laughs> and then we'll be taking, like, after that, I believe we have the 561 Fest. Yeah. Which is, by the way, I may as well bring this up now. It's March 30th, 20 bands, goes all day. It's at Matthews Brewing. Please don't miss it. Um, you can get your tickets now on any of our socials or our website. It all leads to the same place. And ten bucks. It's like twenty bands. It's it's an amazing deal. Plus, Suicide Bombers are gonna be playing Yay! the festival, so you gotta come. Ooh. Think about it. <laughs> all right, carry on. <laughs> and uh, also, if you're still at the fest and it wraps up and you still feel like keeping the party going, 
Come on down to Fat Cats. Literally the same night, we'll be playing the after party for the Adolescent Circle Jerks and Descendants. Descendants there show. There you go. With That's Billy awesome. Doom is Dead. That's right. You're playing it too, I remember. Mm-hmm. I believe The Burnouts. Billy Doom is Dead is playing our festival too. So, yeah. So yeah, they're playing with us. So too. both of you guys are going to go do that. Doing double yeah. duty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Double duty. Double doo doo. And then Cinco de Mayo. And then Cinco de Mayo. We'll be playing at the Atlantic Avenue Yacht Club. Shout out. We love you guys too. Nice vibe. I think there's a small chance I might be playing that gig. Oh, shit. Is it Rick? Did Rick, is Ricky putting it on? Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think I might we'll be see playing. We'll see you there, awesome. dude. All right. Yeah, we, yeah. we actually, I just gave him the green light on that today. Like, oh, nice. I'm like, yeah, dude, we'll, we'll, we'll play it. We're down. Wicked. Well, listen, thank you, boys, so much for coming on. You're super cool. I love the band. I'm a lifelong fan, having been blown away at that Christmas show. And um, yeah, I guess uh, I'm going to be seeing quite a lot of you in the coming year. You know, we're going to be crossing paths all over the place, different shows and stuff. Yeah. Oh, you ain't seen the last of us yet, baby. <laughs> all right. Nice one. Um, yeah. So 561 Music, you can find us at 561 Music Podcast. That's all of our socials. And then, um, 561music.com is, is our website. Please go and look on all of this stuff for information about the festival. Festival is 10 bucks or 25 bucks for a, um, a ticket and a t-shirt in advance. And uh, yeah, there's 20 bands on the festival. It's an unmissable event. It's an unbelievably good deal. If you're into live music at all, there's, I have no idea why you wouldn't come. It's going to be great. And uh, yeah, brilliant. We'll see you guys later. Bye. 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 Hi, mom. Hi, mom. Hi, mommy. Hi, dad. Hi. Hi, hi mommy. Hi, Zeppo. <laughs> uh, shout out Tiger Sunset, my brothers. <laughs> <laughs>